I love our church. We're a very friendly and talkative bunch. I love it. Um, but my name is Jason. Uh, I am the pastoral resident here at Restoration. Uh, you'll have noticed that I changed my, uh, the title of my role. Uh, if you saw in the church email this past Friday, uh, I have a change in role. I have a change in ministry direction. Um, I am no longer planning to church plant, um, so big news. Uh, and this is something I've been praying about, processing about uh, for quite some time, uh, especially took the summer as I uh, attended a church planning assessment by our denomination, which was very helpful. Um, and so, uh, you know, immediately, just long-term plans, I'll be staying on staff as a pastoral resident uh, until June, until next summer. Um, but in the meantime, I'll be looking around for what is next for me. So looking around in other church ministries where God could be leading me. So please uh, pray for that. Um, but uh, glad to be staying on staff till next summer. Um, so you go ahead and read the email. There's more explanation. Uh, you can obviously come and talk to me, uh, ask me any questions. More than uh, happy to do that with you. So with that said, let's turn our attention to God's word. Uh, the past three Sundays, we've been going through a sermon series on our church's vision, how our church's vision is rooted in this idea of restoration that comes from the gospel. And our uh, church's mission statement says this, uh, we desire to pursue restoration in people, communities, and cultures in St. Louis and the world through the transforming power of the gospel. And so the past two Sundays, we've been working that out. What does restoration actually look like? Um, and so we've been seeing how it leads us to maturation in ourselves. And it also leads to service towards others. And as we end our vision series today, we'll be talking about evangelism, how restoration leads us to evangelism, how the gospel turns us into witnesses of Jesus, the source of restoration. We become people that invite others into a relationship with Jesus. And so this is what we care about as a church, maturation, service, and evangelism. So these are easy terms for you to memorize. Our mission here at this church, maturation, service, and evangelism. We want you to grow in Christ, to serve others with the love of Christ, and to share the love of Christ with others. And so with that, we'll turn our attention to evangelism. We'll be in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. I'll invite May Ye up to read our passage for us. It's in page 909 in the Pew Bible in front of you. So please, uh, yeah, go, come on up, May. <laughs> um, please give attention to God's word. Acts 1, 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. 
Father God, we thank you for this morning. Uh, we pray for your spirit uh, to be with us. Uh, help us to see what you have for us in this passage, how we are witnesses of Jesus and how we are about to do that. Um, so I do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we'll be looking at evangelism, how this passage teaches us about evangelism. But before we go into it, I'm actually going to invite another speaker up, uh, Carissa Shu, who is one of our youth students. She's going to share a story about her experience in witnessing to others about Jesus. Okay. Hi, my name is Carissa Shu. Um, my parents are Leo and Nikki Shu. My sisters are Ella and Charlie. And I've been here at Restoration since I was born. <laughs> Um, I was asked today to speak about evangelism, and I was a little uncomfortable when Pastor Dan asked me, and I thought it was kind of funny, um, because I don't see myself as an evangelist at all. Uh, people who put it forward, sometimes I get a little annoyed and sometimes judge them, um, although it's not good. Um, some of you might relate to this, so I thought I would share with you my experience, um, specifically at the Missouri Scholars Academy that I attended uh, this June, where teens came uh, all over from Missouri, and we stayed together for three weeks. Um, there were some who were Christian and some who adamantly had nothing, wanted nothing to do with Christianity. Um, in fact, when I introduced myself, I said I was from Westminster Christian Academy at first. Um, I started getting a lot of dirty looks, and I felt really like I didn't belong, so I actually dropped it and just said I went to Westminster High School. <laughs> um, so even though I was not looking for opportunities to evangelize, in fact, I even hid it, uh, God still somehow made an opportunity um, to single me out. Certain questions came up specifically in my existentialism class where we talked about is there life after death and questions like that. And um, at that point, um, God gave me the courage to say that I was a Christian and I did believe in life after death. Um, and after class, a lot of my really good friends I've made um, started asking me questions like, why do you believe that and how can you believe in this religion? Um, they asked me like, really hard questions, and I really blew it. I didn't know any of the answers. <laughs> Again, I didn't know why Pastor Dan asked me to talk about this, <laughs> because I hid my faith and then didn't know any of the answers and just kind of stood there. Looking back, however, I realized evangelism is not about our ability and intellect to share philosophical reasons. Um, or even give explanations. Um, it's about God who converts and convicts people. Uh, I was wondering why my friends asked me about Christianity when there were people in my class who were obviously more knowledgeable um, and more willing to share about their Christianity. And I think it's because I was one of their friends that they knew um, they saw someone they could trust. I know there will be other times where I can evangelize to them, even if it doesn't seem like it. I still text them, and I even went to one of my friend's water polo games. So the encouragement, I think, is that all of us are evangelists. Um, Matthew 28, 18 through 19 says, um, go therefore and make disciples. But I think what he's really trying to say is therefore while you are going, or while you are doing the things you're doing in everyday life. Um, we are ambassadors of the kingdom. And I'm not perfect, but I do believe that we have confidence that God is with us, and we can evangelize just by being a good friend. Uh, it's a lot harder to do that and to continue doing that than to give a philosophical answer. So even if you're running away from me, um, you God can give us the confidence. Um, and I am encouraged by seeing the lives of people here at Restoration, um, seeing them really live out their faith in real life. Um, so God does make a difference, even if it's not perfect. <laughs> 
Thank you. Thank you, uh, Carissa, for sharing that. Um, as I was hearing that story, I was like, wow, she's kind of doing my sermon for me. <laughs> um, but no, that's good. Uh, you know, if you've ever thought about evangelism or engaged in evangelism, uh, you should probably relate to a lot of things in Chris's story, right? And I was asking some of you all this past week, what do you think about evangelism? Um, and I've had mixed reactions. Uh, some of you have said it's very challenging. I know I should do it, right? I know God commands me to do it, but it's very challenging and it's very scary. And the thing is, I actually relate to that. You know, I, I think of a recent experience. I was on a soccer team in the spring, um, and one of my teammates actually asked me uh, what I did for a living. And instantly, I, I realized I was becoming scared. I was nervous. Even, though, even for someone who works at a church, I was scared to tell someone that I believed in Jesus. And so what I want to address this morning um, is actually address those feelings, to address those challenges that we may feel. I don't want to uh, talk about how, why we should actually evangelize, because I think uh, that's something that we take for a given in the, in the Bible. We see that in our passage. Um, in verse 8, we are called to be witnesses of Jesus. But what do we actually do about our fears? Why can we actually evangelize without fear? Why can any Christian it uh, doesn't matter if you're the Apostle Paul or any church leader or any missionary. Why can any Christian evangelize without fear? And so that's what we'll be looking at today. That's our question. Why can we actually evangelize without fear? And in our passage, we'll see three reasons why uh, we can evangelize without fear because we have a God who is powerful. We also have a God who keeps his promises. And also we have a God who is personal. So first, let's look at our first reason. Why can we evangelize without fear? We have a God who is powerful. If you look in verse 7, Jesus tells the disciples that he will give them the power of the Holy Spirit to witness that the kingdom is coming, that Jesus really is who he says he is. And when Jesus says this, he is not being nice or like just saying something nice or just saying something to encourage them. He's being serious in this moment because what he is doing um, is recognizing the seriousness of this, uh, of this command to witness. This is a dangerous mission. He is sending his disciples out into a serious task. And Jesus acknowledges this himself. If we go into the Gospels in Luke chapter 10, uh, Jesus says this about the mission, about evangelizing. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. That is the task of witnessing, of evangelizing. Jesus is sending these disciples out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Jesus understands the gravity of this command, the gravity of this situation. And so what Jesus is doing here is being, he's being serious. These disciples will be able to be witnesses because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not being naive or ignorant. He's not misunderstanding the situation. He understands the command perfectly, and he gives them the right solution. Jesus is serious. He has given them what they need. They have the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is more than enough. And so what this means is this, if we're paralyzed by fear, when it comes to evangelism, the solution isn't to go and grab a handbook on evangelism. 
to do an evangelistic training, to learn a method about how we can actually share the gospel with another person. Those are good things. And I actually would say all of us in this room should sign up for doing that. We should all go through evangelistic training. We need to grow in our skills. But the first thing, what this, what this passage teaches us, is the first thing that we need to do is that we need to realize and believe that God is part of the picture, that God is in the room with you. Jesus' last training session, it wasn't a handbook. It wasn't teaching them a gospel presentation. He was telling them about the presence of the power of God. The Holy Spirit will be with the disciples. And that's true for you, too, because wherever you are, right, whether you're at the dinner table or at work or in your neighborhood, at school, wherever you're talking to someone about Jesus, the first question to ask yourself is this. Do you believe that God is with you? Is God with you? And in this passage, God says he is. The power of the Holy Spirit is with you. The power of God is there. And so what God is asking you to do is actually believe that, to rest in that, to have confidence in that. It's not about you when it comes to evangelism. God will enable you to be a witness. A good example of this is the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul actually had to learn this himself. And he teaches it to the churches, um, and he specifically teaches it to the First Corinthian, or Corinthian church. And it's in the First Corinthian letter, in chapter 2, Paul says this, and I'll have it on the screen. Paul says this about evangelism. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come, pro come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, God has sent Paul to be an evangelist. He has sent him to evangelize, to share about the good news of Jesus with others. But what Paul says here is that he says he is gripped by fear, that he sees himself as weak, that he is not someone who is charismatic. And yet Paul says that doesn't matter because his faith, his confidence was in the power of God. He had confidence that God was going to use whatever he said about Jesus, whatever he knew about Jesus. He was confident that God could use that to actually convince people of Jesus. That was his confidence. And so for us, as we engage in evangelism, that's what we have to remember. If you have fear, anxieties, if all you can think about is the challenges when it comes to evangelism, like what do I say? How do I actually say it? Do you know that you can actually ask God for help? Like, God, give me the words to say. Give me the courage. And what Jesus says here is you have the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is serious about that. Sometimes we think, Paul, we dismiss him because he has so many gifts, so many talents. That he's a good evangelist because he has these abilities that we don't have. But in scripture, in the Bible, it says that Paul is a good evangelist because he has confidence in the right place, not in himself. He had it in the power of God. And that's our call this morning. That is the first reason we can evangelize without fear. God is powerful. 
And he has given us that power through the Holy Spirit. Now, the second reason why we can evangelize without fear is because God is one who keeps his promises. If you look with me at verse 11, after Jesus gives this command to evangelize, to be a witness for Jesus, he leaves. He leaves the disciples. And if you can imagine this situation, the disciples are very discouraged. They're standing around. They're gazing up into heaven. They're looking at where Jesus was, and he left. And in verse 11, it says there are two angels there. They are witnessing the disciples standing around, discouraged. And this is what they say to the disciples. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who has taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so what we see here is a promise being given to the disciples. And this is such an important promise because this promise does two things. The first thing it does is that it makes the task of witness, witnessing worth it. It makes the task of witnessing, uh, it, it matters because Jesus truly is going to come back. Their task is not useless, it's not in vain. But it also makes their task without burden. It's not on them because Jesus is going to come back. They don't have to convince or make Jesus come back. Jesus promises that he will come back. And so what this does is it makes evangelism come from a place of freedom, a place of confidence. God's promise that Jesus will return produces freedom to evangelize. The promise becomes almost like a motivation to get up off your feet, to stop staring up, staring up into heaven, to actually go and evangelize, to witness about Jesus to others. Jesus is coming back. That is the promise. That's how the promise works. I think a good way to illustrate how promises work um, is through my golf game. Uh, so I've been playing a lot of golf lately. Uh, and uh, what I like about golf is that it's pretty leisurely. I, I can still move my body, but uh, I don't have to break a sweat, right? I'm still pretty active when it comes to golf. Um, now, the, the one thing I don't like about golf is how extremely hard it is. Um, and it's not that fun when it's so hard. You want to be good at it, right? Um, and it's gotten to a point where I've been asking myself, should I keep playing or should I stop? And maybe some of you golfers in this room can relate to that, right? Maybe you had a bad round and you're just like, should I keep even playing? Um, and so uh, and the question I asked is that, right? Should I keep playing or should I stop? Because with golf, there's a lot of commitment. There's time, right? A lot of time commitment when it comes to golf, and a lot of money uh, to play golf. And so I've been wondering, should I keep putting the time in? Should I actually go all in on this hobby? And as I've thought about this dilemma to myself, should I keep playing, what I've realized is that it would be really nice or really helpful if somebody could promise me that golf will be worth it. That if I put in the time, somebody could promise me that if I put in the time and the effort, I will be a good golfer. That it will become more enjoyable. If I can be assured of that, I will feel better about golfing more. Now this is you know, a silly example, but that's how promises work. They motivate, they encourage, they empower you to do something. And in a similar way, the promise of Jesus returning to encur encourages us towards the task of witnessing. It's a promise that all evangel evangelism matters, that even little acts of evangelism, of witnessing, of talking about Jesus, it matters to Jesus because he is returning. That is the promise. It's encouraging. It's freeing. 
we don't have to worry about the results when it comes to witnessing because the success of the mission to expand the kingdom, to share about Jesus with others is not on us. Jesus says it will happen. The success will happen. And so with this promise, God assures that the witnessing of the kingdom, the witnessing of Jesus and all that he did on this earth is not in vain. It's not useless. That means when we gather here this morning, every Sunday morning, and up here, Jesus is proclaimed. It's not useless. It's not in vain. Jesus is coming back. Even I, I have to rest in this promise. Because if Jesus isn't coming back, then why am I up here? The work of, do, of proclaiming Jesus up here is not in vain because of this promise. There's going to be a day where we don't have to gather as a church. We don't have to gather and remind ourselves about the truths of the gospel, that Jesus really is who he says he is. Because there's going to be a day where we are actually with Jesus. Jesus is going to be with us. That is the promise. This is the place that God frees you to be in when you are evangelizing. When you are witnessing about Jesus, you rest in that promise. Jesus is returning, so go and witness to others about who Jesus is. That is our confidence and freedom. So we've looked at two ways that we can evangelize without fear. God is powerful, and God keeps his promises. Now lastly, uh, we can look uh, at another reason, and that, and that reason is God is also personal. And what I mean by that is that evangelism is a very personal thing for God. In verse 8, Jesus uh, uses very personal language. Uh, see what he says. He says, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. And so what this means is that the disciples don't have to do anything additional. They don't have to achieve something to prove to Jesus that they are witnesses. Because what Jesus does here is he roots their ability to witness in their identity. To be a Christian is to be a witness. There aren't some Christians who are fit to be witnesses, and there are some other Christians who aren't fit to be witnesses. God's decided that all those who are saved are witnesses. To be a Christian and to be a witness, they're the same thing. God has made evangelism personal when he has done this, when he has rooted the identity of witnessing together. He has made this personal for himself and the disciples. It's personal for God because he's linked the witnessing of himself to who the disciples are. He's linked the witnessing of himself to what he has done for the disciples. Everything that has happened in the heart of the disciples, the work of transformation, becomes a walking testimony of who God is. From the disciples' standpoint, perspective, it's also personal for them too, because that means all the years that they've spent with Jesus, the conversations that they've had, the times they had meals together, the times that Jesus was teaching them and molding them, changing who they were from the inside out, that becomes all relevant in the task to witness. Witnessing about Jesus is very personal, and God is completely cool with that. He wants it that way. He wants you to share about how Jesus was amongst them. That's what he wants the disciples to do. Share about who Jesus was in your time with him and how that changed you. Share about your personal relationship with Jesus. And so what I think this means is it gives us train tracks to run on when it comes to 
witnessing when it comes to evangelism because we often think evangelism is a gospel presentation that I have to know some content and the thing is yes there is content you got to know those basic truths that's the gospel you got to do that right but the thing is this content is shared to the context of you it's shared to the context of you the gospel has changed you specifically and God wants you to share that a good illustration, I think, for uh, evangelism is not a gospel presentation where you knock on someone's door and you give them content. For me, what I think about is when a child approaches show and tell. And in, if you've ever seen show and tell, or I'm sure all of us have experienced show and tell, but we approach it in a way where there's no shame, there's no fear, there's an innocence. There's a love and delight for the thing that you brought because it's very personal to you, whether that be a toy or something else. You talk about how it's personal to you. You talk about how that toy makes you feel, how you got that toy, what it enables you to do, what you want to do with that toy, right? And as you think about that, there's some sort of relationship with the thing that you brought. And so that's what I want us to see when it comes to evangelism. God has designed it to be this way, to be very personal, to be about relationship. We aren't supposed to be some robots who share the gospel in some impersonal way. God has made evangelism very personal. And he's done that by associating himself with you. He's united himself with you. And you've experienced him in a certain way. You've experienced the gospel in a certain way. You have a story of faith. How you came to know God. How God convicted you of sin. Opened your eyes to the truth of what is going on in the world within your own heart and how to actually have hope. Where is a better world? Where is eternal life? Where is salvation? God has done that for you. And God says you should share that. I want you to share that. That's actually the primary way I want evangelism and witnessing to happen. And as I say that, I think a very natural question that might be coming up in your head as I'm just being devil's advocate here. How can I actually witness if I actually believe that my, I don't have a great relationship with God? What if I don't have a good personal relationship with Jesus? I've been struggling in my faith. I've been struggling with certain sins. How can I actually evangelize? How can I actually witness? And the thing is, I actually get that, right? I struggle with my own things. But the thing is, I think that misses the point when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to evangelism, because it's not about you. It's about God. It's about God saving, loving, and changing you despite who you are. And you are a sinner. You are someone who's broken, someone who does not love God as he should. And so that means you can actually share the gospel if you, let's say, you struggle with anger. You can talk about a God who forgives you, forgives your anger, and is changing you from the inside out to be, make you more kind. If you struggle with, let's say, greed, you can talk about and share the gospel about a God who forgives you for your greed, for your selfishness, and is molding a heart within you to be generous, to be compassionate, to think about others. If you struggle with any sin, you can tell others about the gospel. You can talk about a God who loves you despite who you are, a God who unites himself with you despite who you are. The emphasis of the gospel is not you. And so as I, you know, as we look through this passage this morning, Acts chapter 1, and as we think about evangelism, 
I want us to see the emphasis. It's not on, not on you. It's on, it's on God. And that's the right motive. That is the right way of looking at things. You can be encouraged and, and feel confident in witnessing towards others because of that. God is faithful. And so what I want us to see this morning is that evangelism isn't actually what we think we need to do. We need to have abilities or content, skills. Evangelism is a trust thing. It is having faith in God, a God who is faithful. And we saw that in Chris's story. It wasn't about her. About her. It was about what God was doing through her. And so the same way we enter into a relationship with Jesus is the same way we engage in evangelism. It is through faith. It is through faith. And it is through faith we acknowledge to ourselves that we bring nothing to this relationship. We bring nothing to evangelism, but God is willing to use that. He responds in a way where he gives you everything. That's the gospel. If you have faith in God, he gives you everything. He gives you eternal life. He gives you salvation. And most of all, he gives you himself. And so as we think about the table this morning, as we think about evangelism, how they relate together, the key, the key denominator is the same, a God who is faithful. We can witness because there is a God who is faithful. And we can look at the table and say the same thing. There's a God who is willing to unite himself with you, who gave himself up for you. And so as we think about evangelism and witnessing as a church, my prayer is that we continue to do that, that we don't have to evangelize without fear. We have a God who is powerful. We have a God who keeps his promises. And we have a God who is deeply, deeply personal. Pray with me. Father God, uh, we thank you uh, for this morning. Uh, we thank you for uh, the good news, how you came um, to pursue us despite who we are. Uh, I pray that we be encouraged, not just in our own faith, but also towards um, sharing the good news with others. And so I, I do pray for that, Father. Um, give us the faith, give us the encouragement, give us the confidence that we need to have faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.